stand to your feet this morning. Put your hands together. Help me welcome the man of God, Pat Schatzlein. Take a good look at who, who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best. and the best among you, not many influential, not many from high society families. It isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. I will use the unqualified to awaken the qualified out of their drunken stupor that has been caused by the intoxication of self-built kingdoms. These man-made kingdoms have been built upon the sand of shifting truth and, and forfeited authority. The unqualified will be the ones that co confound the very concept of what we've called the qualified for many generations. It's the oops, the accidents, and the nobodies that will rise up and take place of, take the place of those who have grown comfortable with the idea of maintenance, faith versus miraculous faith. Let me be very clear. You are not plan B. Come on. You are the value of the Lord. Somebody give my God a praise across his house. Come on and give him a praise across his house. No, we ain't done. We got to show praise to the king this morning. We got to praise him like it just came out of us. I've come to speak to your lack. I've come to speak to your fear. I've come to speak to what you were created for, to tell the enemy enough is enough. I've come to say we're living in a new season. His kingdom shall be established. You know what revival is? Revival is when God gets so tired of being misrepresented, he shows up. See, because the Bible says that the earth is his and the fullness thereof. Somebody say, I'm thereof. And I was thinking about it this morning because the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, that we will give an account for everything that we do when we're in heaven, the works that we did, the things that we did. And so you need to understand, I know I come here and I preach all the time on revival. My, my first book, Why Is God So Mad at Me? Breaking That Orphan Spirit. That's where we see it. We've seen it lately. We've seen this amazing move of God with uh, people's scars disappear in the middle of services, scars that just happened in Charlotte. It's happened in all these different places. And We've seen this supernatural move of God of, of thousands running to the altar and the remnant is raising up. We just saw in Pennsylvania, in fact, I was standing on stage in Pennsylvania when 8,000 students, 3,000 came running down, radically uh, giving their heart to God. And then I had my phone out and I just began to videotape them. And this is it right here. Have you got that? Can you show that? That's them right there. That's me. I got my phone out. I'm doing it wrong. I know tech people. I'm holding it wrong. I just handed the mic to a little teenage girl and said, pray over this generation. This just happened. Where we've heard of entire children's ministries getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Karen was speaking in Phoenix and we were doing an I Am Remnant there. And literally the whole children's ministry while she was speaking began to speak in other tongues. You know what's cool about this generation? They don't think it's weird. Y'all do. That's the children. I don't know if you can see it. It's, it's, you can't. But what I'm saying to you, I've come to speak to your destiny this morning. And when I wrote the first book three years ago, Why Is God So Mad at Me? It all started with right before that in April four years ago when all of a sudden after a tornado came through and killed 220 people, God is still in the midst of the storm. 
10,000 homes wiped out in Birmingham where I live, in Tuscaloosa and all over the southeast. And, and the next day laying in my front yard was one sheet of paper that had fallen out of a book, out of the storm, out of somebody's house. And laying in my front yard was one sheet of paper and it was a prophetic word. I picked it up. I began to weep because all it said was topping even these disasters will come a world war. And it began to speak of the end times. I'm standing in my house. I went up to my prayer closet upstairs. I received a text from a man named Rich Wilkerson. He said, my cousin David Wilkerson, who is one of my heroes that I had preached for in New York City had just been killed in a car accident. I'm on my knees and the Lord says, everything changes today. And then he birthed, why is God so mad at me that is breaking that orphan spirit? It's out there on the table. You got to get it. In fact, entire families are going through all three books and they're sending us text. I'm getting text. And then I wrote, I am remnant. It came out last March 4th because we're called to March 4th and we're seeing all over the world. People are rising up and realizing that it's time to stand for truth because truth is a new hate speech. And the enemy of truth is silence. And God is looking for his remnant to rise up from cover to cover. The Bible is about the remnant. So then all of a sudden, the Lord began to speak to me. And he said, I'm not done with you writing. I said, I'm done, God. And he said, no, I want you to write a book called The Unqualified. And I begin to weep because that's a secret of mine. I have spent my entire ministry feeling unqualified. I'm a drug dealer's kid off the streets of Detroit. A nobody, a German Jew with no heritage. And as I began to write the book, and it comes out on Tuesday, I got very real in it. I talked about the time three years ago, when two and a half years ago, when I began to dance. God woke me up and said, go dance in the field in Gettysburg. Go dance where others have died. Because I want to break some things off you. And on FaceTime, I repented my wife for years of living by my emotions and not trusting the Lord. Oh, it's a little bit too raw, isn't it? The book opens with a message called Our Sovereign Lord that I preached in Washington, D.C. last summer. And we saw people rocked. It was on national television and people were weeping and laying on their faces because it started with a dream that God gave me of a wave that was coming to sweep over America. It's also in Karen's book because she had the dream six months before me. She's always got revelation first. Amen. Anyway. And then I go into this new book that's going to be coming out on Tuesday. And I'm going to talk about it for a little bit because God gave me a word this week. And, and it goes into that we are the Messiah's misfits. And it goes into the fact that you are not plan B. But sometimes royalty comes broken is another chapter. And then it goes into the separation that God has called us. The Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 18. Do not be unequally yoked. But then it goes on to say that what does God's love or God the Messiah have in communion with Belial? A lot of people ignore that. But Belial means the spirit of worthlessness. It's on this generation. And then it goes into uh, rehiring the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the Holy Spirit's been fired from most churches? And you, when you remove one-third from a hundred, one-third Father, Son, Holy Spirit, when you kick the Holy Spirit out because you water the blood down and give him a pink slip, all of a sudden all he's left with, when you remove one-third from a hundred, you're left with the number 666, the number of man. Am I going somewhere? And then the book goes into the fact that sometimes you have to become a wilderness wanderer. You have to walk through the dark seasons, the season of confrontation and isolation and then consecration where God changes you. And then it goes into don't get disqualified. And that leads me to where I'm preaching today because I'm going to preach from the book. I was laying on the beach. In fact, let me.
me share a scripture with you because it's going somewhere. Ephesians, the third chapter. I'm preaching a message called this morning that was written day before yesterday, believe it or not. It was written as I, we were on the beach. We took a few days to rest because we have an intense summer. I'll be in Canada this coming week and then it just, it's nonstop. And, and, uh, but, but I'm laying on the beach and, and, and the spirit of the Lord hit me. We're just laying there next to each other. And, and I don't know about you, if you're really uh, like me, I have spiritual ADD. And to lay on the beach is torture. It is. I'm playing with stuff. Karen can just be like, she's out. I mean, she's laying over the Abby's, you know, listening to music, play, laying on, playing on her phone. I'm just laying there going, squirrel. And so I'm laying there, and so I, after a while, I'll lay there. I mean, 15 minutes is an eternity, and I'll lay there, and then I'll go, okay, I need to build a castle because I need to get down there with my brothers. We're all made from dirt, and I just get down to my brothers, and, and I just start building, and, 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 and I've got to, and if we dig up, if we build a castle, I imagine in my mind that it's going to be on the front of a magazine, so we get crazy. I mean, we're like, I know we start out with Abby building it, but I take over. It's what we did all the way through with my son growing up, and Nate's a youth pastor out in, in, uh, in, uh, California, he and Adrian. In fact, I'm a grandfather, believe it or not. Just became a grandfather. You'll see my grandson in the NFL. Hopefully Tampa Bay will pick him up. They need him. And little Jack was born. But see, what you have to understand is I'm laying on the beach and the Spirit of the Lord hits me in a powerful way. Now, the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to come back to that. It says, this is my life work. I love Paul. I love to study Paul because he proved that you can be a smart Christian. Oh, by the way, with the new book, we came up with a new manifesto, much like we did that people read for I Am Remnant, you know. Um, but we came up with a brand new manifesto that's all throughout the book. That, and you'll hear some of them in the sermon. But this week, our team put this together. And this might be taken as offensive to some people if you, unless you really understand that God uses the unqualified. From cover to cover, his word is about the unqualified. Everybody in the Bible are a bunch of no ways, but Yahweh got a hold of them. See, you got to understand, don't put me around somebody that's got it figured out. Put me around somebody that's got a limp called brokenness or a few scars here and there. Put me around somebody that understands God is raising up the ones everybody else said, how in the world? No way. And then God stands back and says, because when I take my vessels and put my treasure in a jar of clay, my all-surpassing glory breaks through the cracks of brokenness but this week we took and we put this as a gift to you because the book releases on Tuesday but it says the let's are the unqualified I want to give this to you as a gift from me and you we are the unqualified But I love what Paul says right here because everyone doesn't understand who Paul was. Paul was an entrepreneur. In fact, he was a tent maker because every Jewish young boy is taught a trade. In fact, it is believed that Paul was loved by the Roman society. That's why they made him a Roman citizen because he provided all the tents to the Roman army. Sometimes God makes you house your enemy. In fact, in Acts chapter 18, the Bible even says, it goes on to say that when he was, uh, uh, he met a couple named Priscilla and Aquila and then it was his 
business that allowed him to tie into some people to be able to preach the gospel. He worked during the day and preached on weekends, the Bible says. The Bible says. But I love this about Paul because he said, this is my life work. He said, helping people understand and respond to this message. It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise. God handling all the details. When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. What? Yet God saw to it that I was equipped. But you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. Somebody say anointing. So I began to search the Bible from cover to cover, and I began to realize as God spoke this word to me, and I began to write the book, he said, Pat, everyone I use was unqualified. In fact, it's the qualified that usually embarrass the cross. And it's because you're doing it in your own strength. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, look at this verse, and then I'll go deep into the word. It says, take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called in this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you, not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies? The enemy's goal is to hold you down. The richest place on earth is not found in Fort Knox. It's not in Dubai. It's not in some king's palace in the Middle East. The richest place on earth is down the street in a graveyard because in those caskets are dreams that never got accomplished. Because when you get to heaven, you have to make up your mind. I want to die with nothing left to do. And the Lord began to speak to me. So get your Bible out and get ready because we're going to school for a few minutes if that's okay. And I don't mean to sound arrogant. I promise you I don't. But because it's time to do some surgery in here. Because Hosea 4, 6 says, my people, my people perish for lack of knowledge. I'm going to talk about something that was birthed inside of me. In fact, you need to realize one of the manifestos is the, the unqualified realize God never demands perfection but continually whispers that we must stay in pursuit. You're looking at the most unqualified person there is. I've traveled 2 million miles. Since January 1, we've seen over 25,000 people come to Christ. Give my God a praise for that. That's real numbers. I go to bed at night and I have dreams of stadiums that are filled. It's going to happen. In fact, I think we're going to try to do it here next year because the I Am Remnant conferences where we've seen young and old every age because the remnant is not 18-year-olds, it's 80-year-olds. So this message of the unqualified is for all. It's, it's, for, it's for every age. If you're still breathing, he's not done. Watch. So I'm lying on the beach on May the 28th. I'm laying there. Literally, it had been five years ago that day that we had launched back on the road as we pastored for a season. Dear God, don't have the grace for it. And I'm lying there on the beach, and all of a sudden, I look over at Karen, and I said, I feel the Spirit of God. And next thing I know, the Lord begins to speak to me. He said, do not preach anything you have written this Sunday. Now, we have a series called The Entrepreneurial Out There. That's part two and three of this message. But you got to understand, that was several years ago when I wrote it. And the Lord said, go in and write. And so you need to realize in the new book, Unqualified, I have a section. And it's just several pages on the entrepreneurial anointing that you've, it's time to do this thing. But the Lord took me into the, to the condo there. And he began to speak to me. He said, son, you've preached on revival. You've preached on truth. You preached on breaking the orphan spirit. That's what all your books are about. People are getting free. But I've, I, there's another level. 
And it's the entrepreneur anointing. He said, I want to bless my kids. Now, you need to follow me because the economy we live in is kind of jacked up. Are you with me? In fact, all economic theories are pretty flawed. Whether it's capitalism or whether it's socialism. or And, and I know I'm getting, probably going to get emails. Write them to uh, Pastor Dion. And... But I'm probably going to tick some people off. But every economy is flawed. Every thought of economy is thought flawed. Because bottom line, somebody's got to lose. In fact, your loss is my gain in the economy. Whether it's socialism, crony capitalism, whatever it is. But there's a difference. Because in those economies, there's never enough. But there's a different economy. It's called kingdom. It's called entrepreneur anointing. Because the entrepreneur anointing, entrepreneur means the ability to create. It's an apostolic anointing. It's all over, all over people in this room. If you're a businessman, I'm about to speak to your destiny. Because Jesus, the, or God said, the very first thing he said was go, create, and prosper. You are anointed to create. And you need to know we live in a time where creating is holding us down. We don't get to do that. We don't get to dream. But people in this room, from this point on, after I preach this sermon, I need you to go to bed with pen and paper by your bed. Because God's going to give you dreams. You're going to begin to have prophetic things happen to you. I've come to speak to the process today, but I've also come to speak to what God has called you to do. Now, this is different. Every time I've been here, we have these outpourings of God. Can I preach something a little different? Can I preach on the kingdom of anointing called the entrepreneurial anointing? What do you mean? Because the difference in the entrepreneurial economy is he doesn't take from everybody. He pulls it from within you and creates something. It means you were born with something. Oh, am I going somewhere so far? I didn't get this from listening to somebody's CD or watching Christian television. The Lord spoke this to me. And I'm laying there on the beach and I got so excited. I looked over at Karen and I said, the Holy Ghost is all over me. It was just a moment. Is there anybody in here tired of being broke? Tired of not having the finances to accomplish, to accomplish your kingdom goals? Tired of living a life of not enough? Oh, you're, going, you're, going, you're one of them name it, claim it preachers. No, I'm not. I'm going to shout it and grab it, brother. I mean, amen. You go ahead and, you know what, Here, here's the deal. I need you to clear your slate of what you've heard from other people and all that kind of stuff because I'm a revivalist. My gifting is getting thousands running to the altars and getting free. That's who I am. But the Lord spoke to me laying on the beach. He said, there's one area you have not touched and it's leaving you lacking and causing others to lack. Because we've been on a journey of wholeness, Karen and I have. In fact, it started when I was reading the Bible about a year and a half ago, and I went to Hebrews 11, verse 6, and, and I had seen this scripture before, but it says, by faith Noah being warned of what, uh, by God what was about to happen in reverence prepared an ark. So every time I walked through my house, because the Lord spoke to me this actually to me years ago, he said, son, he said, I'm going to give you arcs. So I wrote three books and they're arcs. When I walk through the house, Karen's new book will be on the wall pretty soon. When I walk through the house, I go, there's an ark. There's an ark because God will give you ideas to handle the storm. You're not with me. That's all right. I'm going to preach for an hour and a half if you don't shout. Because we became an heir of righteousness, which is according to God's faith. Somebody say it with me. Heaven is not bankrupt. Somebody shout, there's an ark waiting on me. Now listen, I'm going to end to warn you. I'm so excited. I'm giddy. I'm giddy. Because the Lord gave me permission to share this today. 
He said, you're going to new destiny to release destiny. I've never shared this on a Sunday morning at another church or a Sunday night or a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. This is so fresh that I, it burnt my fingers this morning. Now watch. <laughs> then the Lord took Karen and I on a journey. Because for years we have these dreams of filling stadiums and seeing a generation saved. And then we met with a, father, a mother and father of the faith a year ago, February. And they said, here's what we want you to do. We want you to begin to do Philippians 4, 6. We didn't know what that was. We know that God told us he's going to begin to give us arcs. We know that Hebrews goes on to say that in Hebrews 11, 11, that Sarah judged God faithful. It's the only time God is judged in the Bible. So when you pray every morning, you need to stand at the end of your bed and say, I judge you faithful. <laughs> So then Karen and I start talking with a mother and father of the faith and they begin to pour into our lives and, and, and they said, here's what we want you to do. And we were having a season of lack and lack doesn't follow true revival. And, and so we had this season of lack and we're meeting with them and we just needed, I mean, we needed a miracle financially because we've got the school and we're raising up all these people to preach the gospel, all this stuff. And we're just like, we're tired of this battle. And it's like there was a Midianite attack on us where the, the enemy was, it wasn't that we were doing something wrong. We were tithing, we were sowing. We were giving. We were pouring it out. I give it all away. I don't care. But the enemy was holding back because we had not learned to speak. Power of life and death in the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. The truth. So they took us in their house to Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, be by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And we said, well, okay, what, do you, what should we do? So we wrote out every need. And now every day we take that whole list, whether it's our family, it's our kids, it's our finances, it's our vision we pray it to the Lord and we come into agreement can I tell you listen to me since we began to do that a year ago February finances doubled miracles happen at one point the Lord said go dance and we needed a $5,000 miracle for an I am remnant out in San Diego and all of a sudden the Lord said and I was overwhelmed with it and 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 and, and the Lord said go dance before me in the backyard now we have a Hindu on one side and a Baptist on the other. So I was, I mean, it was, couldn't win. So I go out to the backyard. Karen's sitting at the counter working on some stuff. She looks out the back door. I'm in the backyard dancing before the Lord. I mean, everything's going every direction. And all of a sudden, I walk in the house. I said, Lord, we need five things. He said, go dance before me. I walk into the house. I go, I go walking up through the house, and I look into a box sitting by the garbage can. I just glance into it, and I'm like, what is that? Inside underneath the lip was a, was a white edge. I reached down inside. I pulled it out, $2,500 check. We check cereal boxes now, amen? <laughs> I mean, don't you throw away those lucky charms. And within three hours of dancing before the Lord and letting my flesh burn up in front of our community, $5,000 came in. Oh, you ain't with me. I'm, oh, you just a name it, claim it. Go, go see if you can even find this on my table. The Lord said, you've talked about revival. You've talked about awakening a generation, breaking the lies of culture off them. You've wrote about it. Now tell them about the next level. I'm gonna preach. I've come to talk to the unqualified entrepreneurs in their house because the Bible is full of entrepreneurs. Some of my closest friends, two of them, I talked to at 11 o'clock last night, texting back and forth. One's a businessman in Dallas, another one's a businessman in Indiana. You'll hear more about their story in just a moment because I, I, I love entrepreneurs. I love people that can dream out a vision. Am I talking to anybody? In fact, the thing that you do the easiest and you're probably kind of bored with is probably what you're called to create. Oh, I'm going somewhere. 
The Bible's full of entrepreneurs. The Bible says in Revelation 1, verse 6, and it also goes on to say it in Revelation 5, verse 10. It says, and he hath made us kings and priests. Kings and priests under God and his Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. The Bible's full of entrepreneurs. Noah owned the first boat. Isaac redug the wells. Jacob had a dream of a speckled spotted sheep that happened, by the way, after he paid his tithe. Joseph cornered the market on grain commodities. David killed a giant. Peter owned a fishing business. Abraham had, Abraham had eight streams of income. In fact, study the Garden of Eden. There's four streams in there. Every one of you should pray for four streams of income. What you have to understand is Paul made tents and at the same time wrote 14, at least 14, of 27 books of the New Testament. I told our team a couple days ago, we were on the phone, I'm sharing this whole thing with them and our whole, all our students and everybody, I'm on the conference call with them and Karen's on there and we're pouring into them just about three days ago. And all of a sudden I just said, it's time for us to dream crazy dreams because what we have can't be, what we have to do can't just be taken up in church offerings. And I said this statement to him. I said, if we limit the God to the, if we limit God to the pulpit, then we limit ourselves from the nations. Entrepreneurial means to create. It's an apostolic anointing. So I'm speaking to your purpose for just a moment because the first words God says was be fruitful and increase. So what are you talking about, Pat? You need to write this down. Number two, we must change our thinking. Now listen, I was raised. My dad got saved, radical saved. Drug dealer worked for the mafia in Detroit. Gets radically saved. We were raised so poor and we kind of thought it was our lot in life that, that you know, if you're going to preach the gospel, you're supposed to be broke. What kind of witness is that? Jesus was an entrepreneur. He bought you to get a return. Oh, you didn't get that. He paid the price for us and said, I'm going to invest in Pat. A little kid who got in trouble every day at school. All my report cards, very prophetic. They all said I talk too much and daydream. <laughs> they were prophesying. But Romans 12, 2, we got to change our thinking. You need to memorize this verse. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but, but be transformed by the renewing. That means washing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what is God's will. He is good, pleasing, and perfect will. When you renew your mind with God's word, when you renew your mind and you begin to cry out to him, it suddenly everything changes. How you would have made a decision before you prayed is going to be different. And your end result is you ain't going to have to pay a price for it. You're not going to be in trouble because the unqualified stand in awe of the love of of God that rescued them from a life of pain. Listen, can I say this to you? I am so tired of convincing people they're supposed to be blessed. Because God called you to be blessed. Maybe it's because I spent years saying, oh, no, no, no. Maybe that's that other guy. And the Lord said, why? And what you got to realize is you have to understand what Jesus said, that all things are, poss are, are possible with God. They're impossible with man. Matthew 19, verse 26. I'm talking about a marketplace anointing. I'm talking about uh, speaking to your destiny. You didn't build it. God did. It's when God gets with you and then you build it together. That's how you're really supposed to be saying it. And it's Deuteronomy chapter 8. He says, you know what? Just ask me. This is a proverb, a promise to the Jewish nation that meets us today. It says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Do you know that, that the Jewish nation and, and, uh, and uh, 
the Jews get offended if they have to work for someone else. He says, God gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. He said, I swore it as it is today. It means right now. Karen gave me this a couple days ago. She was doing her devotion. She said, you got to see this. Before a Jewish child gets, or man or woman gets out of bed every morning, this is the prayer they pray. Look at this. This is the prayer they're taught to pray because there's hundreds of prayers they pray, but this is one of them. I'm grateful before, I am grateful before you, living in eternal king, for returning my soul to me with compassion. This is when they wake up before they put their feet on the floor. They say this. I am grateful before you, living in eternal king, for returning my soul to me with compassion. You are faithful beyond measure. Now you got to understand something because the minute you put your feet on the floor the devil is standing there saying you're a failure you're a nobody you're a loser but before you get out of bed before you touch the earth before your feet get back down because heaven is his throne earth is his footstool because God says while your feet are up in the air declare that I am faithful declare that I am holy declare that I, we are the righteous in fact, in the Hebrew language, they did not even write it into the language, the ability to borrow. Now, every other language is written that way, but not the Hebrew language. Because what you got to understand, it's Psalms 37, 25. I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. Somebody talk to your children real quick. See, because you got to talk to your kids because God enjoys seeing you blessed. Are you getting this so far? The Psalms 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure. He giggles when I'm blessed. I'm, 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 I'm done. I'm laying on the beach and the Spirit of the Lord says, you're about to change everything. You're about to shift everything. You're going to walk into destiny, new destiny and speak destiny. You're going to walk in and talk to some people that I have been trying to get. Oh, church. He said, I've been trying to stir you up. Now, that doesn't mean you go out and quit your job tomorrow. There's wisdom in everything you do. But if one third of America is out of a job, it means it's an opportunity for God to teach them to create something. See, it's time where we rise up and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm tired of waiting on the government. I'm tired of waiting on an inheritance. I'm tired of waiting on somebody to die. I'm going to rise up. I'm going to do something. I'm going to look at my kids and say I am leaving you with a blessing because maybe my father didn't and my grandfather didn't but I want to show you how big my God is not only did he redeem my soul he redeemed my life from the pit and he even gives a promise to the saved somebody say I'm saved Proverbs 13, 21, look what it says. Trouble pursues the sinner, but the righteous are rewarded with good things. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Oh, you ain't getting this yet. It's Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth and adds no trouble to it. It means if your blessing comes from God, you don't have to explain it. <laughs> That's good stuff. You go ahead and play small. But my God is big with big ideas who created me to be his mouthpiece 
of hope. It's First John chapter 3, verse 1. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. But that doesn't but but that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously because it has no idea who he is or what he is up to. You say, Pat, does God choose favorites? No, but he honors obedience all through his word. And the word obedience has three letters in the middle of it called die. When you die to your flesh, when you die to the things that are calling out to you from the enemy and you begin to walk in the way of the Lord and righteousness and goodness shall follow me all the days of my life. That means I ought to be looking back as I'm walking going, oh my goodness, I'm trying to lose goodness. And Three days ago I wrote this in a condo. Condo on my own one day. Now watch. God says, I created you for this moment. It's Acts 17, 26. It says, from one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times. That word time is kairos. It means exact moment set for them in exact places where they should live. You're not an oops. You're not an accident. You're not illegitimate. There's no such thing as an illegitimate child. Yes, there's illegitimate parents. But God says, I created for you a moment. He said, an epic waited for moment. That's what the word Kairos time means right there. He said, I've been waiting on you. This is your moment. What are you doing with your moments? First Corinthians 3 says, our works will be judged and the Lord spoke that I wrote this down during worship. I just, and he said, he said, when you get to heaven, you will give an account amidst the shouts of holy. He will ask, God will ask, did you choose to be whole? What do you mean? People in this room, you are called to change the world. I have never shared this on a Sunday morning and I'm alive with it. And it's what he said when he gave the story of the talents in Luke 19, verse 13, because you are here to infiltrate and occupy. So he called 10 of his servants and gave 10 minus. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Occupy. And then he got mad because the one guy went and buried it. And look what he said in verse 26. You don't have it. They don't have it. But he says, he said, in, I love what it says in the message Bible. It says, he looks at the guy that refused to do anything with what God had given him, the talents God had given him. He said, risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and end up holding the bag. That's the message Bible. I love the message Bible because you, you want to write about anything, just type a word into Bible Gateway. Now watch. But the devil wants you broke. Dr. C. Thomas Anderson said this, who wrote Becoming a Millionaire is God's Way. Poverty is a belief of the heart, not a condition of being without money. Is it okay if I preach this today? What causes poverty? There's four biblical classifications. I'm just going to say them because I don't have time to go into it. But when one third of, our, third of our nation is out of work, when we owe $18 trillion, if you spent a million dollars every day since Jesus died on the cross, that would not equal a trillion. And we're $18 trillion in debt right now. It is time for parents to rise up and say, I'm not worried about what the government does because I don't live in their economy. I live in God's economy. It doesn't make no sense. 30, 60, 100 fold is not a really cool, brilliant math concept because it can't be proven, but it's God. He's a big old God. That's why I don't ever miss moments to sow because I love, I give it all away. Here you go, God, because he blows my mind all the time. Listen, what causes poverty? Proverbs 10 verse 15 says, the ruin of the poor is their poverty. 15% of our nation is on food stamps. Now I grew up on food stamps. I know what food stamps do. I praise God for food stamps because we wouldn't have ate at times. So don't think I'm throwing stones, but it's time to throw some ropes and pull some people out of some things. 
45% of Americans are on some sort of subsidy. We know what it's like to go get WIC as youth pastors so that our son had milk as a baby. I have no problem with that. I, I, I actually praise God for that. But now follow me for a second. What's the cause of poverty? Listen, number one, the first cause of poverty is oppression and fraud. It's in the Old Testament, Proverbs 14. I, I don't have time to go into it. The second cause of poverty is misfortune, persecution, or judgment. In the book of Job, we learn that God allowed Satan to test Job by bringing misfortune upon him. He went broke twice. Number three, the third cause of poverty is laziness, neglect, or gluttony. Proverbs teaches that some people are poor because of improper habits and apathy. Is it okay if I say that? If you sleep to 11... <laughs> you sleep to 11, get out of bed and make some macaroni and cheese, and then about 3 o'clock decide you want to go put an application somewhere, they're done. Is it okay if I say that? Your stories can wait. <laughs> Number four, the final cause of poverty is a culture of poverty. Hello, Americans. Poverty breeds poverty, and the cycle is not easily broken. We need a welfare system that emphasizes work. Yes, I appreciate what the government does, but somebody tell me. Don't just tell me what I can go down and pick up a, a, a debit card to buy something. Tell me how I can go and let people create something and let somebody use debit cards at my business because I'm not called to live like this. I'm called to be a debtor to no man because he already paid the price. I'm called to write something out. I'm called to dreams. Oh, I'm going somewhere today. And the church has been too silent and we're the standard bearers. What's the standard? It's the flag you hold up in the middle of the war to say, run over here. We're called to be the ones that look. We're the tipping point. The tipping point is this. It was a great book uh, written by Malcolm Gladwell that if 7 to 8% of a population will begin to go one direction, everyone will follow. Hello, church. Oh, you know what? We're, the world is brash and we're bashful, worried about what's happening on Wall Street. I ain't worried about Wall Street because I got streets made of gold. There's a moment where you understand the Christians must come out of hiding and retake the land. In the Old Testament, what was the church? What did they start with? They had gleaning laws. What's a gleaning law? You'll find it in Leviticus. You'll find it in Deuteronomy 24. A gleaning law was this. After a farmer would get done picking up his crop, anything that was left over, the poor could go and pick up. So the church started out as the blessing. Now, we lost our rights in the 1930s after the Depression and then in the Great Society program in the 60s and the government says church be quiet sit in the corner and sing but what can the church do oh listen we can we can fund programs to bless people outreach evangelism feeding people we have scriptural reference for all this first corinthians 16 we got second corinthians 9 the church can teach responsibility paul reminds the thessalonians of their church rule if a man will not work he shall not eat the solutions for christians what else can we do listen we we have doctors we have lawyers we have people that can step in and help and teach literacy programs and all those things and christian business leaders can take a one young man or one lady in this room that's a dreamer and say walk with me apprentice with me I'll help you I'll raise you up what do you think I did with him what's the role of the government Pat protect us fight for the oppressed take care of the needy that is the role of government we believe that provide a justice system create opportunity and not hand us 18 trillion in debt you getting political? No, Jesus was not a donkey or an elephant. He rode those things. So listen closely. I do not vote according to a party. I vote according to God's word. 
If you don't care about babies, I don't care about you. <laughs> what? I'm going to move on. Sorry. Say, Pat, this is different from last year. New wineskin. That's it. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Oh, I got to hurry. I'm so stirred up. I looked at Karen. I said, I'm giddy. I don't even know that I've ever used the word giddy. It feels good. Say it, giddy. Say it, giddy, giddy, giddy. giddy. I feel stupid. Listen to me, church. Get a God vision for your finances. Psalms 112 verse 2 says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. What do you mean? There's five rules for not finances. Number one, seek God's kingdom. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, seek ye first his kingdom and, and his righteousness and everything else is going to take care of itself. How do you get a God vision for your finances? Number two, you have to be, to have a healthy understanding of finances. It's not can, get all you can, can all you get and sit on the can. It's Proverbs 23, verse 4. Do not wear yourself off to get riches. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches, for they are gone, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. It ain't about money. It's about living. It's about saying, holy. Hey, let me interrupt you real quick. Did you get here whole? I did. I did. My works prove that. Because they're not wood, hay, or stubble that gets burned up. By, by the first thing that comes along, it's, it's precious jewels that, that shine that I get to cast before you on our wedding day, Father. Oh, listen. You know God will anoint you to be a giver? I've never seen a broke giver. It's Proverbs chapter 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled with to overflowing and your vats will brim over with the new wine. Oh, you're talking about that tithe thing, ain't you? Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Because I was sitting on a flight about four years ago and someone was breaking into my house early in the morning and Karen had locked the door and I'm taking off from Birmingham to Atlanta because you got to go through Atlanta to go to heaven and I'm taking off. Karen is screaming, somebody's trying to break into our house. I could hear them beating on the door. I called uh, my uh, assistant, Quentin. I said, Quentin, get over to the house, call the police and suddenly my plane takes off and for 30 minutes I did not know what was happening inside of my house. And you know what I did for 30 minutes? I went, I pay my tithe. I give you my word. I'm sitting on a plane going, I pay my tithe. I rebuke that devourer and lying devil that came and stand on my front porch. You ain't getting into my house. I pay my tithe. I give him what is his. That's a true story. Am I right? You say, well, Pat, I'm New Testament. I don't buy into that tithing thing. Then you fire me up because Jesus said, keep the moral law, which was paying tithe. That's the only law he said to keep. He said, keep the moral law, which was paying tithe. He'd study it, Melchizedek, Hebrews, all that cool stuff. But if you say to me, well, I'm New Testament. I don't believe in that Old Testament rule. Okay, that's cool. Get it, get it, get it, got it done. Watch, because that tells me you're, you're Acts chapter four then. Because the Bible says in Acts chapter four, they gave it all. So welcome to the New Testament. And then people are like, no, no, I'm new. T- I'm, I, I went OT again. I'm OT. <laughs> Listen, give your way out of your debt. That's what we do. I'll say to Karen, where are we at? Oh, I ain't enough to pay the bills. We're going to sew it. We do it all the time. 
Oh, I got to wrap up because I'm, I'm probably making somebody mad today, but I'm good with it because I got, I got an inspiration from the Lord laying on the beach saying there's mamas in this room that have been waiting on daddy to pay the bills because he ran off and he hasn't helped with the babies. But God says, I've already put something inside of you that make him come and look back at you and go, wow, I should have been a part of that investment. God's saying, I'm about to raise up people in this room to start things, to go and rescue people. And when he blesses you, you'll be able to pull other people out. We don't need handouts. We need help up. And the Holy Spirit is the one that says, I lift you high. I draw you near to me. I pick you up. Give my God a praise. Good will come, the Bible says in Psalms 112, to whom is generous and lends freely. His, who conducts his affairs with justice, surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. Oh, when you get about 45 where I'm at, you start thinking about Legacy. Listen to me, church. He'll give it to you if it won't own you. It's Proverbs 15, verse 6. The house of the righteous contains great treasure, but the income of the wicked brings them trouble. I'm five, real quick. I'm hurrying. Your motives produce your harvest. Listen, can I say something? So, so, S-O-W, where you want to go. When I first went on the road as an evangelist, I was sending money to every evangelist I could think of. Bishop Jakes, I'm sending him money. I'm sending it to Rod Parker. I'm sending it, I'm serious. Because number one, when you give to someone, you'll never get jealous of them. But number two, I want a little bit of what they got. That's why the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, don't store up treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy. Where thieves break in and steal, but store it for yourself treasures in heaven. When's the last time you made a heaven investment? You know what I learned? Now I'm about to close. New dreams come during tough seasons. I'll prove it to you. I'm reminded back in October 17th of 2008, Jim Cramer, who's on, you know, Mad Money Guy that's on CNBC, said this. He made this statement on television. I heard it, and I came out of my chair. He said everyone should put their entrepreneurial ideas on hold. He said this in 2008, October 17th, when the economy crashed. I was pastoring at the time. I know. He said it is no longer the season of dreaming, but surviving. That's what he said. He doesn't know God's word. He doesn't know where I live because my Bible tells me I live in America and blesses the nation whose God is their God. And last time I checked, my God is still on my money. What are you talking about, Pat? The unqualified don't mind the dark seasons because they know God always shines the brightest in the dark. Oh, treasures in darkness. I'm about to show somebody, somebody, you've been in a dark season. Been in a dark season? Raise your hand. You've been broke? You've been walking? Through Raise your hand. I'm talking to you. I'm about to speak something to you because Ecclesiastes, the wisest man that ever lived besides Jesus, Solomon, said this in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 3. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it but the first part says I love this because it says it says your dreams come when everything is falling apart God says I'll give you dreams then it goes on to say in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 18 we jump up to that verse then I realize that it is good now God says I want you to enjoy what you're doing I want you to be blessed he said fellas when you go to work I want you to come home full of joy because you got to do what you love doing look what he says he said it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction 
in the labor that you're doing under the sun during the few days of life God has given you. For this is his lot. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, God says, I want you to enjoy what you do. I want you to be blessed and to accept his lot and be happy in his work. This is a gift of God. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. It means you don't look back, oh man, if I'd only, if I'd only, because you're going, yeah, I am, because I am. I'm doing this right now. I'm enjoying. That's just Solomon. He's just wise. And this is it. I'm about to close. Get a God idea. By faith, Noah hears from God. It's going to rain. What's rain? I'll explain it later. What do you want me to do? Build a boat. How do I do that? No one's ever built a boat before. There's no marina. We live in the desert. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Every time you say, oh, my God, he says yes. <laughs> OMG, yes. <laughs> hey, Noah, get out a pen and paper. Get out some parchment. Draw this oblong thing, this rectangular thing. Put sides on it and put a little edge on the sides. And then we'll teach you how to slick down that wood so that it doesn't leak. Because water doesn't need to get inside of it. I'm going to make it big enough where you can put two of every animal inside of it. Plus your family and your crazy kids. And when y'all get in there, get ready. Because the minute you shut the door, blip, 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 blip. Church, I, I dreamed about it. It's in the opening chapter of this new book, Unqualified. I dreamed about the wave that is coming. God sold me a dream that is going to sweep America, a wave of his glory. Karen saw it. I was tied to the post in Washington, D.C. I shared this in Washington, D.C. last summer because I had just had the dream when God's glory hit and it hit all the way to, there's one last outpouring coming and I'm here to tell you something. It is time for this house. I've never shared this anywhere else. God said for me to come and tell this house, this house in this room are millionaires. In this room are people that are going to rise up and lead. God God spoke it to me. In this room are people that are going to be blessed. There's lawyers. There are doctors. There's people that will fight injustice. There, I don't care about all the other stuff. God said there's people that are going to start businesses. He said, I brought you into this place because you've been brought to this city to set it on fire. He said, I'm going to bless you. It's the man that walked up to me four weeks ago in Charlotte, and he said, Pat, I am the unqualified. Two years ago, I lived in the woods behind this church. A friend of mine named Jay Stewart's church, beautiful church. He said, he comes up to me at the table. It's a the first time I had the book on the table and all of a sudden he walks up he said I am the unqualified two weeks ago or two years ago I was living in the woods and a man brought me toilet paper and water every day from this church living in the woods as an alcoholic he said now I work every day I've got my family back my God restored me and I got dreams he held my book up and he said this is me you were there right Karen Get an idea. What do you mean? Proverbs 8, 18. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. I could pull. There was, I told Karen yesterday, we're driving here. I said, there's so many scriptures on God's blessing. I don't have room. Oh, that's the promise. <laughs> See that I will not pour out a blessing on you that you will not have room to contain. Luke 6. Oh. You know when you ain't got room to put your blessing somewhere, you're like, I ain't, I ain't no, there ain't no more pockets. Go get me a box. You say, Pat, are you, are you going over to the dark side, the word of faith people? No, I'm going over to the word side. And I have lived for too long relying on other people's burden 
Oh, it's time for us to rise up and lead this thing. Do you not think when the Spirit of the Lord spoke to you a few months ago and said, I'm going to make you a coach, you're going to pull people out of darkness, you're going to re reset their bodies, we're going to break curses of generational unhealthy eating, we're going to show them that they don't have to die at 52 like their mama did. God said, I'm going to raise you up and you're not going to do that, you're going to put Jesus inside of them. You not see that entrepreneur, entrepreneur. You know what I found out? Preachers that are anointed to be entrepreneurs will be miserable in the pulpit if that's all they ever do because God says there's more than that oh somebody shout I'm, I got to get done I got to get done I got a longer drive than you today seek out wisdom by wisdom Proverbs 24 a house is built through understanding it's established through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures so you got to seek out wisdom you just go out there and walk up to your boss say I quit I'm out I'm out I'm gonna start a business how you gonna do it I don't know but I'm out Week later, hey, look, um, I am out, but it's later. I already filled your position. Ah, yeah. But it's, it's God is a rewarder of obedience. Hebrews, look what it says. Hebrews, it tells us, and without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards. Nobody ever taught me that growing up. I thought I had to earn my way into heaven. He says, I already bought you. With a difference in Christianity and all other world religions, you ain't got to do nothing except simply come to that place where he says, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. If you'll go after me, you'll find me. If you'll get up in the morning when you're usually sleeping, but set your clock an hour earlier, I'll give you secrets. I'll tell you things to do. I'll say, ask your boss this at this time of the day at 412. Ask him this question and watch what I do. And God says, I'll share secrets with you. It's, first, it's, it's, it's Colossians 2, 3. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The unqualified, listen to me, live their lives continually seeking the face of God for direction because they know without him, they're on a journey that leads to nowhere. Let me give you some examples and I really am about to close right here. I have seven closings. <laughs> I'm like an apartment building. Watch. It's my friend David Green who wakes up at three in the morning every night hearing the cries of children. And David Green, who sat with us three different times pouring into our lives. You walk into the massive complex in Oklahoma City of Hobby Lobby, you don't see Hobby Lobby stuff. You see missions pictures. You see thousands getting saved. It's globes. It's shoes of Chinese missionaries that carried the Bible handwritten into villages. It's one giant hallway. David's poured into us three times, three different times. But you, everybody thinks, oh, you know what? He's just a rich 1%. Let me tell you something. He started in a garage making picture frames and enjoyed it. And he said, you know what? Maybe I can start a business. And now 90% of everything that comes in goes to missions. The top leaders you enjoy watching on TV, call him by phone and say, I have a crusade. Will you help? They all do. You know what? We're standing out in the parking lot. We're standing out in the parking lot. And he leans over and picks up a penny. Now, already I've been standing in his office, and his office is about the size of this stage. It's not that big. I said, I said, you have a bigger office than most pastors, and you're a billionaire. He said, three billion. He interrupted me. I went, my bad. When he dies, his family signed a covenant. They take nothing with him. 
It all goes to missions. We're standing in the parking lot. He leans over and picks up a penny and puts it in his pocket. And I went, a penny. He said, you know what, Pat? I figured out if you pick up a penny every time you see it, you'll have $16 at the end of the year. Last night, we're in the hotel. Abby leans over and picks up a penny, and she says, penny? She starts to put it in her pocket, and I said, that's mine. I collect pennies. I, she goes, and Karen goes, leave her alone. She's just following Dad. Uh-uh. You'll step over a penny, and then you'll beg for a quarter, and God says, if you'd have gathered the last 25, you wouldn't be worried about it because there's a moment where you understand there's a change of thinking. I'm having fun today. I'm having so much fun. I hadn't had this, fun, this much fun preaching in a long time, but I got to wrap. It's my friend. It's my friend who I talked to on the phone last night. When Abby goes to the bathroom, I know I got to get done. Now watch. <laughs> That's it. I really am closing. One more page of notes. <laughs> oh, I love this. DJ, you having fun? I cannot wait to raise up students or to preach all over America and say, don't ask the church for a dime. We've already done it before you got there. You already started something. You already built something. It's my friend I was on the phone with last night. His name's Jeff. Jeff Martin, school teacher. But what you don't know is we were sitting in a service about 10 years ago in the middle of the sermon. I looked at him and I said, God gave you a dream last night. I didn't know him. I said, God gave you a dream last night. And he said, if you will take the dream he gave you and turn it into a patent, he'll make you a millionaire. Jeff starts weeping. He had had a dream about how to make wheels for motorcycles. He started wheels for tots. Off of a dream, a preacher comes, looks at him and says, you had a dream last night. Turn it into a patent. Watch what happens. Blesses our ministry all the time. Why? Because he gets it. He wrote, he wrote a quote for the book because I have quotes from friends like my friend Maurice Claret who played in the NFL and went to prison. I have quotes all in the book from key leaders from all over America, friends of mine that, that are unqualified. But he wrote a quote. He said, the unqualified is being outside the collective group with talent and natural giftings. It's the, it's the not even considered option because of the previous tendencies or even past actions. It's the one in a million success story that could have only been accomplished by something greater than oneself. I want to be unqualified so anything that is accomplished reflects my God ha! and this is it ask God for a plan God wants you to be fulfilled in fact the Bible even says in Revelation 12 verse 8 there's gifts of grace that come with salvation we love the gifts of speaking in tongues we love the gifts of signs and wonders I love the gift of healing a lady was watching our video and reading I am remnant in a church in California this year and their church was showing the small group from I am remnant in a video or an interview I did with a guy named Sid Roth she's watching it gets radically healed of cancer was sent home to die then goes home after the service God heals all her cancer and she's a cutter a secret cutter all her scars disappear I serve that's a gift her pastor called her office from Southern California. I don't know him. I've never preached there. He said, we show your videos every night of the week. We show I Am Remnant. We teach him I Am Remnant, the book. And he said, he said, Pat, he said, we have people getting healed. Now, I love that. But we don't like to talk about the gifts of grace. We leave that to the Baptist. If we ever get the Baptist and the Pentecostals together, we're going to change the world. My God. Gifts of spirit, gifts of grace. Wow. Because it's the Romans 12 gift. God said it to you. He said, let him give generously if he has leadership. He says there's gifts. He's contributing to the needs of others. That's a gift. How many of you walk? Okay, let's compassion, compassion test. You walk down the street and you see somebody and say, man, I wish I could help them. Quit wishing. Start dreaming. You have the ability. Well, how do I start? Start by paying your tithe and breaking that poverty off your house, number one. Number two, learn how to give. The overflow. Tithe brings you up to even. 
with God. We owe it to him. It belongs to him. He said, it's mine. There was 10 trees in the garden. He said, Adam and Eve, don't stunt. He said, there's 10 different trees according to all horticulturists. He said, Adam and Eve, I'm giving you nine trees to eat from. Leave my tree alone. You see what happened? This is it. Listen, a vision without action is just a hallucination. And there comes a moment where you got to put feet to your vision. And it's what Josh, who created the video, he said this to our team the other day. He said, the ember of revivals are created by the flame of innovation. Where's Josh at? You in here, Josh? My boy, Josh, he just joined our ministry. Give him a hand. He created that video. And that's it. How do I do it, Pat? How do I do it? How do I do it? You need to get the entrepreneurial one and two because I go deeper into how to do it back there but this word was for the unqualified I didn't know when I'm in the middle of writing this book back in December when a demon, demonic spirit walked into my house and I had to do a war all night and break failure and fear off that really happened I didn't know when I was writing this book that I would take four pages from inside of it on how to be the unqualified to how to have the insatiables the hunger and four pages on the entrepreneur I didn't know that come May I'd be preaching a sermon about it I had no idea but the Lord began to speak to me and I said Lord how do we do it I'm writing this a couple days ago and I'm done stand with me I'm going to give you these and I'll be done. Can I give you some godly rules for launching a dream so that you don't go out and do something stupid today? And then you're going to say, the preacher told me. Then you're going to call me and I'm like, who, what? You're breaking up. <laughs> Static, sorry. <laughs> Number one, you ready? Ask God for his timing. The calling of God without timing of God results in the absence of God. See, we've been taught, DJ, going into ministry, rely on the Lord. Take nothing with you. Maybe somebody will bless you. But what if we walked into places with the word of God in one hand and the ability to bless in the other? My closest friends, man, some of my closest friends around America, one I talked to last on the phone, he was, he's, he's an oil guy in Dallas. He wants to do what I do. He texted me last night. He said, take me to the nations with you. There's times where we've had a miracle need and I can call them and say, hey, bro, we need help. Done. And they've had tragedy in their family. They lost their little girl. I've helped them walk through some marriage things. He texted me last night. He said, where are you at? I said, I'm in St. Pete. He said, what are you preaching on tomorrow? I said, you're anointing. He said, please send me the CD. I'm not friends with these guys because I want something. I'm friends with them because they need something. Get out of debt. How do you get it out of debt? Just start taking a little here and there and just paying it off. Be a giver. When we got married, our credit was shot. I'm being honest. For 10 years, it was shot. We had medical bills from our son, crazy stuff. And at the end of 10 years, maybe it was seven years, it was seven years, I sat down at the table and we did together because Karen's brilliant in finance. And I said, we are done with debt. We don't have a credit card. We have a debit card and we have an Amex you have to pay off every month because I know my family. I grew up broke. I know what it's like to sit at the table with my father pastoring a little church and him to shut his eyes and the table, the plates are sitting there. This really happened to us three different occasions. Plates are sitting there, nothing on the table. And we all sit down to eat supper and there's no food. And, the, and he says, Father, bring someone to our house with groceries. 
Pastor, I don't know who you are. We lived in the parsonage, so they knew he's the pastor. But I just bought my groceries, and the Lord said, I had to stop and give you my groceries. Kids, come get the groceries. I'd be walking to church up a hill, a grassy, grassy knoll, walking up the hill, and there'd be $300 bills laying on the grass. I'd pick them up. I'd walk into my dad's office, and I said, this was laying out in the field. We had a giant field in front of our church. He said, I just prayed for that. Man, knock on my door late at night. My parents are, one evening, my parents, we lived on a freeway. My parents are in Gardnell, Alabama. My parents are in a minister's meeting. Guy knocks on the door. He looks like Jesus. He said, is the master home? I went, Dad, we don't call him that. He smiled. He said, give him this. Pulled the envelope in. My sister and I are standing there. I opened the envelope. Seven $100 bills. I yanked the door back open. He's gone. We lived in, you could see any direction for a mile. He's gone. Mom and dad, come home. Dad, a man brought this to you tonight. He falls on his knees and he says, we prayed before we left. God, we need $700 to pay the bills tomorrow morning. Or we don't have lights. So I believe in faith. Get a consensus from your family. Y'all want to do this together. Make it a family venture. Have a reality product or idea. Realize marketing is everything. Develop a business plan. Get a financial planner. Get a coach. Be honest at all times. Is there a demand for what I'm doing? Take risk. But count the cost. Fall asleep praying and wake up worshiping. Your giftings are clued to your future. The things you take for granted is what you're anointed to do. Hobbies many times become future provision. The wealthy take risk. Do what they fear. Walk bravely. Work hard. Ask God for a miracle. Use wisdom. So where you want to go. I'm done. And now can I close this with this? There's a table waiting on you. God said, there's a table waiting on you. Oh, we're about to have a lunch. I cannot wait to see what Pastor Dion buys me for lunch today. Listen. You need $100,000? It's already in this room. But people have been like, can all you get? Get all you, get all you can. Can all you get? Sit on the can. Instead of realizing, what if you sowed it today? Did, did, did he ask you to do this? No. I walked in this building and realized I dreamed about it. And this is the last thing the Lord said. Psalms 23, verse 5. You served me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You know who your enemies are? Anyone that wants to hold you down or keep you from being blessed. You revived my drooping head and my cup brims with blessing. There's a table in the house. There's invitations being handed out. That's what I feel the Holy Spirit say. Oh, I feel the prophetic coming. Lift your hands and cry out to God now. Oh, I feel your... When you get to heaven, when he interrupts the worship and amidst the holies of holies and cries out to you, when he asks you, excuse me, Pat, did you arrive here whole? The earth is his and the fullness thereof. You know what I see, Pastor? I see a banquet room. It's right here. And I see tables set up. 
and there's gold place cards in front of each one with people's names on it saying if you'll sit here I'm gonna bless you I'm about to burn some things inside of you have you ever you traveled the world with me have you ever heard me preach this yes or no no but I was laying on the beach the waves were rolling and the Spirit of God said to me tell this house I want to bless them I want to raise them up I want to speak purpose over them I want to anoint them for now I'm tired of you being broke chained in to lost dreams God says I'm gonna resurrect this house to be anointed to walk these streets and blow people's minds come on and lift your hands If you have a debt problem or a poverty problem, I've never given an altar call at the beginning like this. You need to get ready because God's going to break that off you. It's time to repent. I don't care what your mom or your dad did. I don't look at, you don't look at them in the mirror every morning. Now the older you get, you'll see a reflection of them. But God said it's time to break the history, the chains and the lies. But what you got to understand is, Jesus Christ was the ultimate entrepreneur. He took a risk. He went to a cross and he said, let my blood buy them. I'm going to buy a bunch of empty, broken pots, but they're valuable for the joy set before him. And the entrepreneur anointing is going to hit this room in just a moment. But every eye shut across this place. God says, if you have sin in your life, if you'll start there, I'll take, you, I'll take it from there and do a work in you. If you've allowed perversion in your life, maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He says, I have come. I bought you. I am the ultimate entrepreneurial anointing. I paid a price for you. Heaven was bankrupt for you. Because I believed in you that much. Real soft, real soft. Every eye shut. Here it comes. Here comes the Spirit of the Lord. Here comes the Spirit of the Lord. Here comes the Spirit of the Lord. I got to do this. He told me to do this. Because the Lord says, if you'll repent today, I'll bless you tomorrow. And God says, you have to buy wholeheartedly into what he did. There's no scheme here. All you got to do is say yes. If I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, I am saved not just for eternity I am saved from my history I am saved for my future he has taken me and bought me back and God says I am rescuing you out of slavery I see people that are in bondage in this room there are yokes around them and you've been led into slavery by the enemy you've been held captive and God says I will cut the rope and just like a bunch of hostages being rescued out of a building with masked men God says I'm about to pull you out of that building and set you free all over this room if you have in your life or you've never accepted him and you want freedom in your life it's the first level I ask one time and that's it because I, I came to do something else but the Lord said do this if you have sin in your life and you need freedom raise your hand now come on raise it up high raise it up high I don't give a rip who sees because Jesus said if you're ashamed of me I'll be ashamed of you before my father if you just raised your hand and you have sin in your life come stand up front first come on by the way you're the first candidates for the entrepreneurial come on Holy, yeah. 
different Sunday morning I've ever had but I love it was this a word for the Lord for this house yes. did it speak to you everyone in the house up front hold on no music for just a second no music just for a second I gotta talk to you I gotta talk to you enough enough you have dreams of being well you have dreams of God using you. Enough. That's what the Lord just said to me to tell you. Enough. Do you hear me? Enough. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to look at you like a dad. I'm going to do it. Come here, Paul. Enough. What else does he have to do? Do you need him to drag his cross through your bedroom? Because he'll do it. At 16 years old, I wrote about it in the book. He walked into my bedroom and set me free. Say it with me. What? Lift your hands up across the room right now. The Spirit of the Lord is here. He's hovering. And the entrepreneurial anointing of buying you back is taking place now. He's about to purchase you with his blood. Colossians 2 says he nailed the sin to the tree. Pray this out loud. Say, Jesus. No, you got to say it like you're about to get rescued. Like you stuck in a room, been tied up, and you need to know him. You're in this room. He's walking through, and you're like, I'm in here. I'm in here. I'm in here. Just kick the door. But Jesus! Help me.